Welcome, everyone, to the Cover 3 Fantasy Podcast, coming to you from Akron, Ohio. Jason, Brian, and Toby here. Uh, Starting off the day with some news for you. Um, The Red Rocket, Andy Dalton, was released by the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. Um, Brian, being the Bengals fan, tell us a little more about this move. Yeah, it's uh, it was surprising to me, honestly. Obviously, I... I knew that Joe Burrow was going to be the the quarterback of the future. I mean, you take him at one one for a reason, but you know, a lot of times, especially over the past four or five years, even a little bit longer, you've seen quarterbacks getting drafted high and then coming in and learning behind the existing quarterback for a little while, the incumbent. And so it was really surprising to me to see him cut uh, at the very end of April. And so what I what I think that means is the team is probably going to struggle a bit early on. So personally, for me, I'm downgrading all of the offensive weapons just a little bit. Um, you know, you've got this rookie quarterback coming in that is not able to meet with the team yet. They're doing these virtual workouts, so they're getting the playbook virtually. They're getting assignments that they're working on. And fun fact: Burrow is actually from like my hometown, and so he's he's working out every day, like you can literally throw a football from my parents' house to where he is now. And so I'm familiar with what he's doing and it's not anything all that uh, difficult or complex right now. Like they're, you know, working on out routes with, with buddies and like, it's, it's not what you'd really expect from solid OTAs from an NFL team. And so I guess I say all of that to say it hurts the chemistry that he's going to have with his receivers uh, it means there's probably going to be more dependence on Joe Mixon. So I guess that'd be the only guy that I'm not really downgrading. I think you might actually upgrade him a little bit in this this case, uh, knowing that Burrow is probably going to have to lean on that run game a little bit more coming into the season. And I think he'll figure it out and they'll get comfortable by the end of the year. But I, I think it unfortunately hurts guys like A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd a bit. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that – Andy Dalton had to say bye-bye to Cincinnati, but it kind of opens up the door for a new era in Cincinnati. Um, Joe Burrow is going to kind of get the raw end of the deal, not getting the full camps and everything like that to get acclimated and prepared for what the NFL is going to bring at him. Being the number one overall pick, they're going to, they're going to disguise things that like he's never seen. The timing with the receivers is probably not going to be crisp as at least as crisp as he would like starting out his career as the starter and then also getting that chemistry, knowing his offensive line, knowing how they, how they're going to shift, getting, getting the line calls. There's so much that goes into being a quarterback that I could, I could see him struggling maybe the first few games for sure. Just trying to get acclimated to the speed of the game. I mean, we see it all the time. Rookie quarterbacks come in and the speed of the game, they look like deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. So Burrow, obviously, he's in a you know a dynasty format. Some you got to take a flyer on him probably more sooner than later uh, because you've probably already got part of your roster built. But he's one of those guys that you know he's an older rookie, I guess you could say. He he's he's had five years of sitting and at college, and so he's not like a, th- a three years 
junior coming out of school, coming right into Mitch, 20, 21 Mitch years Trubisky old. with yeah. 11 career starts. Right. So he's, he's seasoned, so those things aren't going to affect him as much. But, you know, he is going to get the raw end of the deal on this. Yeah, yeah, on the flip side, the ADP of Julian Edelman is going to be rocketing up as the Red Rifle joins the Patriots before too long is my expectation, unfortunately. Yeah, I think if Andy Dalton joins the New England Patriots, obviously um, there's been talks of that, or the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he goes to the Patriots, I think that helps Edelman, that helps Nikhil Harry, um, could help you know a few different people there have some kind of fantasy relevance again. Um, Obviously, we have a little more faith in Andy Dalton as a formidable option at quarterback over a Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer. Did you not say formidable? He, decent, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a top ten guy, but he's decent. Okay. Um, and as you pointed out with Joe Burrow, I mean, everyone always talks about with rookies coming in that reps are key, especially for quarterbacks um, when you're working with new weapons. Um, so it's going to be critical, him missing those reps with his – with A.J. Green, with Tyler Boyd, with T. Higgins, um, Joe Mixon. I mean, missing those are really going to hurt him. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, he's, he's going to be fine. Obviously, as you pointed out, I would expect a slow start maybe. But I think he's going to be fine. The weapons will be fine. Um, That's actually a good point. Um, I, I failed to mention T. Higgins. He's one that in Dynasty I love. I, I think it's a great landing spot. He gets to learn from A.J. Green, who's one of the best in the game right now. But – for this year, I do not like T. Higgins at all, again, because of the, the rookie slow start. And now you've got it on both ends at, at receiver and quarterback. It just – it does not bode well for him in 2020. Yeah, I'm a huge T. Higgins fan. And on the last episode, we both mentioned that he was the guy that we wanted our teams to draft on day two. Um, right. And you guys happened to pull the trigger one pick before we got there. So, <laughs> um, And I actually listened to a couple of different things. They talked about the Colts were really high on T. Higgins – kept it under wraps. Once he came off the board, they knew they had to go ahead and pick their next receiver at Michael Pittman. So, um, but T Higgins, yes, I, I love him for dynasty redraft, not so much because of the depth chart, but um, you'd have to think, you know, the moves they're making are signaling obviously a new era there and AJ Green being on the franchise tag. I wouldn't expect him to return in 2021 um, with him leaving T Higgins has a similar playing style. So I would expect mm -hmm. him to fill that role. Totally agree. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Dalton move kind of shocked because, you know, not that I expected Andy Dalton to start, but having a veteran like him on the bench in the event that something were to happen, an injury, um, you know, or even just to help coach, um, that was a little bit shocking. So I think in doing that, they, they were probably doing Andy a, sol a solid, um, letting him go somewhere else to hopefully play as opposed to just riding the pine. Um, also in doing so, I think they showed Joe Burrow that we've got full confidence in you, that we're handing you the keys, we're burning the bridges, there's no other option, you're doing this thing. Yeah, the other option is Ryan Finley, and we unfortunately saw what that looks like last year. Yikes. Ooh, yeah, we did. Yeah, so Joe Burrow, where do you guys think he finishes this year uh, quarterback rankings? I've I've got him probably finishing, I would say, top 15 based off of volume of throwing. Wow. More so than anything. I think he'll be around 15, probably no no higher than 13, but I would say 13 to 17, somewhere in there. Wow. 
So the, the good news for Joe Burrow is the defense is not very good. And so he's going to have to throw the ball to keep them in games. The bad news is the offensive line is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to be trying to stand behind that, throwing them into games. So I'm actually a little bit lower on Burrow for this year for redraft purposes. I've got him right around 20. Um, I think if he finishes any higher than 20, to me, that's a win. And as a, as a fan, I'd be very happy with that. Like I said, it's yeah. a bad defense, a bad offensive line. He's in a, in a rough spot. He's got great weapons, but the protection is what scares me. Yeah. In that 20 range is probably where I'm landing. Um, when you're talking about guys that he's around there, like Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, Ryan Tannehill, I'm comfortable taking him around those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he has the potential to finish higher with those weapons, but as we pointed out, there's obviously some concerns there. Um, the other big news this week, um, they, were very open about it, but the Jags were trying to trade uh, Leonard Fournette leading up to the draft. Um, I kind of expected him to be dealt on draft day at some point for a, for a pick. Um, didn't end up getting a trade to work. Um, and then this week did not pick up the fifth-year option for him. So that would seem to signal the end of his time in Duval. Jason, where does he end up this year? Uh, hopefully he ends up still the starter by the end of the year. They seem to not really be favoring him too much. I would, I would venture to guess he's definitely falling fast on most depth charts as far as fantasy is concerned. I would, I would venture to guess he'll probably, he'll probably still be top 20, but I would venture more towards the 20 at this point based off of they really don't, they're really trying to, cause conflict with him and him in return so the relationship there is not very good i like him from the start of this season and it just seems to be snowballing downward so i would say 20 would be my would be the spot where i'd see him ending up yeah i like him around 15 myself um for me honestly the bigger concern is that they brought in chris thompson uh, you know, obviously you don't want to see a team decide that they don't want their running back back next year. I mean, that's not to say that he won't come back. They could obviously franchise tag him. Uh, they could agree to a long-term deal, but I think the writing is on the wall that they're likely not going to do that. This probably is his last year in Jacksonville, but the Chris Thompson signing concerns me more for a redraft because uh, it was last year Fournette had a hundred targets And in the two years prior, he hadn't had over 50. And so they were clearly making it a a point to get him the ball in any way possible. But you don't bring in a guy like Chris Thompson to not get him on the field on third downs and make him your pass catching back. That's what he does. That's a specialty. And so to me, that means that Fournette is going to fall back into more of that like Marlon Mack kind of role and spot in the, the fantasy rankings where, you know, it's a guy that gets volume and on the ground, but probably not near as involved in the, the passing game anymore. And so you can expect over a thousand yards. You can expect probably eight to 10 touchdowns. But uh, for me, I think that's probably going to put him around 15. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge Leonard Fournette fan. Um, loved him in college, loved him coming out, wanted the Colts to get him. The Jaguars ended up taking him divisional rivals. Um, but I, I think it just seemed like a dysfunctional relationship from the beginning. 
Um, obviously, they gave him a lot of work, but it seems like there's always something in the headlines with the with the problem between him and upper management um, coming from both sides. So I don't, I just yeah. don't, I just don't really know what to expect. And after the draft, you know, when they didn't trade him, they didn't draft another running back that would come in and supplant him right away. So it, it seemed like okay, you know, maybe he's maybe he's going to stay there. He's going to get the work. He's going to finish top ten again. But then they don't pick up the option. They sign Chris Thompson. They could be minor things, absolutely, but it it just doesn't look good for a guy you're drafting as a top 10 running back. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm definitely fading him as an RB1. I Before the Chris Thompson signing and all this other stuff, I would have felt comfortable with him as like RB10 to 12, but I'm not there anymore. He's not an RB1 for me. Yeah, he's probably back end of running back two for me. I've seen this this kind of thing play out. It seems like it's the Trent Richardson type scenario where he's not liked somewhere. They'll ship him off, and guys like that seem to snowball backwards. And the, the Colts can give a first round pick for him. <laughs> Absolutely <Probably. laughs> not. Um, yeah, and that's the thing that again this shows um, that we've seen the the constant struggle in the past couple of years with running backs trying to establish value um, is that running backs probably the most expendable position in the NFL. Um, they seem to be a dime a dozen. You can get a new guy to plug in almost immediately. Um, obviously, you know, getting an elite talent like that is special, but um, teams showed that they don't value the position long-term. Um, they do. And that was what was really interesting to me about not the jump topics, but the Chiefs drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with a 32nd pick. Uh, getting that running back at the very end of the first round, you get that fifth-year option that you don't get on second-round picks and, and on. And so you get that cost control for an extra year. I think you're probably going to see more and more teams going that route so that you can get your five full years out of a running back and then you can cut them and be done after that. Uh, you're going to see more and more of the even running backs going at the end of the first rather than falling into the second, like guys like Swift and Dobbins did this year. That's a good point. Yeah. The, the only thing to that is you've got to be back that far in the draft. It's those teams that are sitting in the top 10 or 15 picks. They're not going to take a running back in the first round. So do they trade up and give up capital to move up to the end of the first to take a running back? And then they may be setting the rest of the roster behind it. it you've almost got to be sitting in that type of a situation unless you're willing to sacrifice a year of capital, you know, to move up or that draft itself, move up cap, move capital in this, that year's draft just to get up there to get that fifth year option with taking them at the end of the first round. Unless you're, unless you're Miami and you've got like 44 picks in the first three rounds, <laughs> you're probably not going to have the capital to do that. Yeah. You do see it a lot though. I mean, you saw, uh, the Chargers come up this year, coming back from the second, giving up a second and a third to come into the back half of the first and take Kenneth Murray, which surprised a lot of people. Uh, you know, the 49ers did it to get Brandon Ayuk at 25, I think it was. So it's not unheard of, although the 49ers obviously were a, a pretty decent team already. Yeah, I think that brings up an interesting point of contention between running backs and you know NFL owners, upper management. Um, is the value that they hold ownership has obviously showed that beyond year five, there's not a ton of value for running backs. Uh, they want to get that, that one big extension and hopefully make their career good with that. 
Um, when it comes to fantasy, though, running backs tend to hold value a little more than most. Um, as we're talking about, you know, in, in fantasy drafts, you're looking the first two rounds are going to be full of running backs. Um, and today we're actually doing our 10-team redraft league uh, mock draft just to see how things play out after the NFL draft has happened. So obviously running back is a hot pick in the first 20. You're probably going to see 60, 70% running backs. Um, Either of you considering anything else with a top pick? No, running back is definitely where I focus in the top half of the first round for sure. And I think you guys know me well enough to know that I'm going to focus on running back early and often if the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, so jumping right in, we're going to get started with the draft. Looks like we're getting started in just a moment. Jason's going to be picking second, Brian will be picking fifth, and I will be picking at the eighth spot. Um, So give a little variation there. I'll let you see different positions and what the thought processes are going into it. So it looks like we're almost up with Jason on the clock. So not shocking, Christian McCaffrey went number one. So my thought process here is do I go with Barkley or do I go Elliott or do I take my Alvin Kamara pick? And based off of what happened at the draft, Alvin Kamara added a center and Saquon added a big old tackle in Andrew Thomas. I'm actually going to go Saquon Barkley based off of what they added and how well he will perform with that. Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. And right after that, Zeke went off the board. Oh, okay. Dalvin Cook went four. So I've got the fifth pick. And I'm picking between Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara is really my decision. Do I start with the stud receiver or do I try to start with an RB1? I usually like to start with a running back if I can. And I've got five guys at running back that I like to start off with. And Kamara is my fifth in that group. So I'm going to take him here. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's a tough decision. I like Michael Thomas a lot. I like what he did last year, obviously. And I don't see him getting much less work this year than he got last year. So it's certainly not an easy decision to take Kamara over Michael Thomas in this situation. Yeah. Coming back around where you get that kind of a production out of a running back, I don't know. Well, right after you say that, the next person takes Michael Thomas. So. That right. should tell you a little bit of something there. All right, so I'm up here. We've got Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams coming off the board. Um, for me, there's still plenty of running backs available. Um, if there's two wide receivers being taken, I feel like there's going to be at least one wide receiver or one running back left. So um, based off my top ten, I'm taking Joe Mixon. Yeah, I like that pick at the end of the first round. And then, coming back around. Tyreek Hill and Nick Chubb. So the guy picking at the 10th spot went wide receiver, then running back. Um, For me, I mean, I'm probably going to go wide receiver um, just because we're kind of in that second tier of running backs. Uh, You know, there's still a couple of guys you could take as the first tier. Um, And actually, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to take Josh Jacobs instead. You're a believer in Josh Jacobs this year? Yeah, I think he's got top 10 potential. Um, obviously not a lock, but he had a great year last year. I don't. I mean, 
they went out and drafted a ton of receivers. How many of them are actually going to see the field and produce a lot? I don't know. Um, so I think he's going to be fine this year. And as my RB2, I think it's a pretty safe pick. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. And then after that, Hopkins went off the board, followed by Travis Kelsey. You know, a lot of the familiar names that make a lot of sense. So there's one more pick before mine. It's about to be made, and I've got a couple of guys that I'm trying to decide between here. Ah, Julio just Julio went Jones. right before me. <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to fall. So <laughs> I'm trying to decide now between Austin Eckler and Chris Godwin. Um, there's some other guys on the board like Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, names that I like. But I think this year Austin Eckler is going to have a big year. He finished in the top ten last year. And I think he's going to do the same. It's not easy to pass up on Chris Godwin. But I like my odds starting out stacked at running back. So that's where I'm going with Austin Eckler. That was a good pick. So, Jason, you're up here in a couple of picks. Aaron Jones just came off the board. Who do you have your eye on? Um, right now I'm actually looking at either Godwin or Kenny Galladay only because I don't have a number one wide receiver, and I think possibly coming back around, I could get Edward Solaire or maybe Miles Sanders. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Chris Godwin. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. With the 19th pick, I think that's that's great value. Yeah, solid. Now that that poses another good question: Do you think he's gonna drop his ADP? Will drop any more? before the draft rolls around, given Gronk and then taking a running back who's probably going to supplant Ronald Jones um, and have some kind of production. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's, it's come down about as far as it will. Jason, uh, looks like I you're back on the clock. Come back around. I'm actually – I think I'm going to – I would roll the dice right here on either Drake or Edward Hilaire. Based off the offenses, I'm going to go Edward Hilaire as a splash pick. Okay. And right before that, we had Miles Sanders and Kenny Galladay come off the board, uh, followed by Mike Evans now. So I've got the next pick. Okay, I'm on the clock now. Lamar Jackson just came off the board. For me, it's definitely still too early for quarterback. Kenyon Drake is still sitting here, and I, I do need a flex spot. I, I don't hate starting out with three straight running backs if they're strong, but I think I'm going to have to skip running back at some point to start to draft another position. So I think I'm going to start that here, and I'm going to take Odell Beckham Odell. at 25. Ooh. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't, I don't know that he's going to have a fantastic – I mean, he didn't have a bad year last year. He had a worse year than people predicted, but still over 1,000 yards, still was fine. And second year in the offense, you'd expect a little better, but – of the guys there, he probably provides the most upside. Yeah, my only concern with Odell Beckham is almost 10% of his production came off of one catch. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's going to have a much better year this year. Man, so I'm in a tough spot here. Um, there's not really – I mean, the top wide receivers on the board, Juju, DJ Moore. Um, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper. I'm probably going to take Amari Cooper. Uh, I think, you know, obviously adding CeeDee Lamb hurts him a little bit, but of the guys that are available, he's probably the number one that's there. 
Yeah, he seems like the safer option at least. I personally don't trust DJ Moore or Juju more than him. So Patrick Mahomes and Devin Singletary just came off the board, and now Toby, you're up again. So I'm looking at another wide receiver. I mean, I guess that's my strategy varies time to time, but this one goes running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. Um, I'm actually going to reach down a little bit um, on the list and go with Keenan Allen. Okay. That's good value there at 32. I like that. Yeah, I'm just not comfortable with Juju, A.J. Brown. I think, I mean, I understand Tyrod is hypothetically going to be the one throwing in the ball, but I'm a little more comfortable with Keenan Allen just volume-wise still. For sure. I mean, it could end up being Herbert throwing on the ball at some point, too. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) So after Allen came off the board, he was followed by Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell. And then Juju just came off the board. So now I'm up. I've got two running backs and one receiver. And for me, again, DJ Moore is still there. AJ Brown is still there. I'm going to go for a guy, though, that I think a lot of people are, are low on or lower than they should be a guy that I love and I think he's only going to improve and that is my little Cooper cup. Yeah. We'll see how he bounces back from injury. If he can stay healthy this year, obviously Brandon cooks leaving a lot of targets there to be had. Yeah. yeah I'm was- sitting, I'm sitting here. I got two running backs, Saquon and Edwards Hilaire. I've got Godwin. I'm actually going to reach down a little bit. Um, and go for a, num- a wide receiver one. I'm actually going to take a Devontae Parker based oh. off of the workload, workload he's going to get. Okay. Based off the other receivers. That is – that's a brave pick right there. I know that Preston Williams, when healthy, is uh, kind of vying for a lot of those targets in Miami. So yeah. you think that Parker's, Parker's the guy? Yeah, based off of the fact more than likely Tua won't play. If he does play, he's going to probably go to him, I would imagine, considering he's the veteran receiver on that team. Parker was another one of those guys. That he, he had a good second half of the year last year. Decent start, but good second half. And he's one that I feel like we've been waiting past, what, three years now for him to finally have a good year? As a Dolphins fan, three plus probably two. So probably yeah. five years we've been waiting, <laughs> waiting yeah, on that. He had, his, he had his breakout in year five. It was really rare. I'm going to actually, because of my roster, I'm actually going to go with Sutton as another wide receiver off the board. That's who I thought you might go with the first first time when you took Parker. So Chris Carson just came off the board. I've got one more pick until mine. Ah, Jonathan Taylor just came off the board. That's who I wanted. (laughs) I was going to say that I was between Jonathan Taylor and Leonard Fournette here, but I guess that makes my decision a lot easier. Um, you know, there's some news with Leonard Fournette here over the last 24 hours or so that he did not have his fifth year picked up and they signed Chris Thompson. Uh, neither of those are great things for him, but in yeah. my flex, I'm, I'm comfortable having Leonard Fournette there as my RB3. I mean, you know, you know, he's still going to get work. That's not the question, but is it going to be to the max capacity it was before Chris Thompson showed up? I don't know. Yeah. No, I think he's going to lose some targets for sure. I mean, before last year when he had 100 targets, he never had more than 50. So I think that number will come back down with Thompson coming in as a third down back. But he'll definitely still get the carries. Yeah. I only, I only question that, 
that pickup of Thompson, wouldn't you want to work work that lead back to death if you know he's leaving the next year? Yeah, wouldn't I thought about that too. Just just a thought. Maybe they're thinking they may find a way to keep him. I don't know. Want to preserve him? Yeah, but pay him. That's the question. DJ yeah. Moore, Mark Ingram, Raheem Mostart came off, and then I went AJ Green with my fifth round pick. Um, like he's got a lot of upside. He's obviously a first round talent if he can stay healthy and stay on the field. Um, I think it's worth the shot at that point. I thought that last year too, and it didn't turn out. So we'll see. <laughs> Tyler Lockett and David Johnson just came off the board. I'm back on. Um, man, this is tough. I think here's where you could kind of change it up. You know, if you want to go another running back, another wide receiver, you could. Um, I'm going to bite the bullet and go ahead and take Kyler Murray. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I had him. I think I have him at three or four this year. I think four. Um I think he's going to be fine with that offense. I think the weapons they brought in, the help they got him. Yeah, I agree. He's. I, I've got some shares of Kyler Murray. I like him. He certainly um, – he gives you the, the running option. Oh, no. Dak Prescott just came off the board as I was talking. Hmm. I was going to say I'm going to take the guy that's number one on my board, which is Dak <laughs> Prescott. I think he's going to build on last year. But now wow. I'm scrambling. Ah, so I'm stuck waiting at quarterback now. That was the last quarterback I trusted this early. So I'm going to go ahead and, ah, no. (laughs) I am going to take Calvin Ridley before I run out of time, and I immediately regret that decision. Yeah, that's one of the ones. uh, We had Tyler Lockett, David Johnson, Kyler Murray, Darren Waller, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I'm I'm actually going to – take a swing for the fences here just because I like to have that third running back on my team. And I'm actually going to go with DeAndre Swift mm. okay. as, a, as a viable option um, compared to Montgomery and what's left. In fact, and I'm going to change that up. I'm actually going to go Cam Akers just mm. because of the workload value. I like the change there. That was actually my thought. <laughs> if it comes back around, I'm taking Cam Akers. Yeah, um, and Swift followed him off the board. Yeah. yeah, long term, if you're doing a dynasty draft, I think Swift is obviously the guy. No one's going to argue that. But um, for redraft, Akers seems like he has more of a clear-cut path to the number one back. Yeah, and now I need I need a quarterback, but I'm not seeing anything I like right here. But no. I do like Hunter Henry up here at this point. I need a tight end in this league, so I'm going to go ahead and take my tight end now at Hunter Henry to kind of fill out my roster. Deshaun Watson just came off the board, so the run on quarterbacks continues. And note, there was a defense picked earlier, too. <laughs> I saw that. This defense. Occasionally, you'll get the people that want to be the first one to grab a defense because they want that top one. Um, if that happens, count yourself fortunate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it never ends up being the top one. All right, so I'm running out of time here. I'm taking the guy that I should have taken when I took Calvin Ridley, and that is T.Y. Hilton. I think that T.Y. has at least one good 
uh, year left in him, one great year left in him, actually. With Phillip Rivers, he peppered Keenan Allen with targets. Hilton fits kind of that same mold. He's trustworthy. He'll build a relationship with the quarterback. I like him a lot here. And right before I picked, we had Cook come off the board and DK Metcalf, who is actually um, the one I was targeting here. Um, just based off of value here, I think I'm going to take David Montgomery. Um, I think he's going to get a decent workload there. Had over 1,000 yards last year. Um, I don't really expect their passing game to be much different. So I think he's going to continue to get work. And obviously his workload picked up towards the end of the year. I think more of that's to come. Yeah. And it is killing me that Robert Woods is still on the board. I wanted to take him two rounds ago, but I have Cooper Cup as well. And I'm not a big believer in doubling up on wide receivers from the same team. I was almost there last year in a, in a, in a league. So I understand. Yeah, and looking here, um, I, I glanced at tight ends. There wasn't really anyone that caught my eye. I think that top tier that I look at is gone. So actually you spoke my mind, and I'm taking Robert Woods. Um, the fact that he's <laughs> there, was, I mean, that was a great value at that pick. Um, yeah, 72. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And so for me, obviously there I wanted to get a tight end to kind of round out my roster, but – all the all the top tier guys were gone, and we're looking at guys like, you know, Hayden Hurst, um, Noah Fant, and Gronk is on there, but I'm not really holding out for him. Um, Gasecki, and I think you know everybody's got their tight end now, so those guys will sit around for a while. Yeah. So two more defenses came off the board: Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So three defenses by pick 75 are off the board. There are a couple of high upside guys here that we could certainly take a flyer on, but I still don't have a quarterback. And since this is a smaller team, I'm going to go ahead and take Matt Ryan, who I like as part of a high-powered offense this year. He throws the ball a ton. He was second in pass attempts each of the last two years. And he's definitely got the volume there that I like. Well, considering I like to have a little depth, I'm going to kind of pass up on the quarterback at this point. Coming back around, I may be able to get a quarterback. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take kind of a, a stretch pick of Gallup, even though it's in a three-receiver set a lot now. I'm going to go ahead and take a, a flyer on Gallup based off of production upside. It's not a bad pick. Yeah, it'll still be interesting to see what happens with Lamb there. Um, I think the initial reaction was that he's going to take away some value. And, I mean, just naturally you would think that's how it has to go. Um, but it'll be interesting well, to see how that plays out. I'm going to reach down for my quarterback now. Since I do have Godwin and I like the combo, I'm going to go ahead and take Thomas Brady. Who? Thomas Brady. <laughs> I've heard of him. He was in the news recently. Yeah, hashtag good at football. <laughs> hashtag Tampa Bay. <laughs> hashtag cheat code oh double meaning no pun intended. so <laughs> tyler boyd and cd lamb just came off the board so in 84 picks three cowboys receivers have come off the board wow. jarvis landry is still here kareem hunt is still here darius geis is still on the board um i've got three running backs but i like depth and i'm gonna go ahead and grab kareem hunt here he produced a lot um, even as the Browns' number two running back. And I 
feel like they're either going to incorporate him more in the offense or trade him. And either way, I like the, the outcome there. And then Sony Michelle picked 87. He was actually one I was looking at here with my next pick, um, just as the starting running back for the Patriots. But um, I'm laughing as Justin Tucker and Harrison Butker come off the board. Yeah. That kind of goes with the, um, you know, the people taking the defenses this early. I wouldn't do it, but if that's your strategy, um, have fun losing. I mean, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get take Brandon Cooks. I feel like he's – I think he'll climb up in ADP as we get closer to the season starting. But He will. Um, at that pick, I think he's a great value. Um, if you can get him in the ninth round, eighth round, um, I don't think anyone's going to question that pick. No, I agree. I like him a lot there. That's great value. And then here, it may be a little bit of a stretch – um, taking it more as handcuff. Um, I've got three solid running backs, I feel like. So I'm going to take J.K. Dobbins um, on the off chance that Mark Ingram gets injured, as he has the past few years. Um, you know, even if he just gets injured briefly and Dobbins starts for a couple games, I think he can produce and take over the starting role. Austin Hooper finally came off the board right before I was picking, which is good because I was slowly talking myself into taking him. And I really just don't feel like he's going to produce this year. Um, but I do still need a tight end. Um, there's a couple of guys out here that are I'm considering. Noah Fant, Hayden Hurst, and Mike Gusecki. I'm actually really surprised at how high Hayden Hurst's ADP has risen already. But I'm going to go ahead and take Noah Fant, who I think has a little bit more upside potentially this year after the draft, uh, bringing in Jerry Judy. They're really stretching out that offense. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at Marquise Brown. There's Julian Edelman there. And Jordan Howard starting running back. Add a little bit of depth at the running back position. How much work will he get? Will Burita take, his, take a lot of his production? I'm probably going to veer to the side of Marquise Brown, just based off of upside. There's no consideration there for Julian Edelman, huh? No, not none at all. Not <laughs> <laughs> until we find out who's playing quarterback for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think we would all agree. You know, we've got our top three, four skill position players here. Um, running back and wide receiver, your dominant guys. And so at this point, I mean, you've got some people who take the strategy of, you know, take a guy like, say, a Jamison Crowder, who's going to be safe, but he's never going to explode. Um, but then you've got other guys who are probably more of what I would say I would do. I'm picking guys for upside. I'm not picking yeah. someone who's going to be steady because they're probably not cracking the lineup unless they have to. Just for depth's sake at running back, I'm going to go ahead and take Jordan Howard now. As simply a starting running back as my fourth running back case of injury I have some I can plug and play yeah and this is where I really get into trouble in my fantasy leagues because for some reason I think I value running back more than most people do so my teams always end up very running back heavy I'm looking at one guy on the board in particular that I would love to get but I've already got four running backs 
So at this point, I've got three bench spots left open. I know I need a backup quarterback. Um, I really need a backup tight end because I don't know if Noah Fant's going to be the answer all year. But at this point, Keyshawn Vaughn is too tempting to pass up. The upside that he offers there, uh, he was drafted reasonably high. The coaching staff there did not draft Ronald Jones, so he's not necessarily their guy. And so if Vaughn can crack that starting lineup, he can take that job and run with it. No pun intended. And then we've got Edelman and Rodgers coming off the board and Carolyn Johnson. So for me, I definitely need a tight end now. Those guys that I pointed out are still there other than Fant. So Gronk's still there. Hurst's still there. Gusecki's still there. Um, I'm probably going to go Hurst here just because I feel like the volume will be there. My guy. He's a little less proven. Um, but I guess at, at this point, none of these guys are really proven. Mike Gusecki had a few good games. TJ Hawkinson had a couple of good games. but One. Yeah. <laughs> one, two, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, week one. So that'll round out my starting lineup other than my kickers and my defense. Um, Now at this point, I've got my eye on one receiver, and then I'll probably want to grab one more tight end as a backup and then fill out the last two picks with a kicker and a defense. So back on the board here, my guy is still there for a receiver. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and take him. Denzel Mims is one that I'm really high on this year. Um, definitely has the talent, has the playmaking ability. Darnold is a bit of a question mark. I can't stand Adam Gase, but I feel like they're going to have to try to win games. So (laughs) the ball is going to be a pretty good option in doing that. Yeah, I like Mims there. He's in a a good position for sure, at least in terms of getting on the field. Uh, Maybe not in an Adam Gase offense. It's not where you really want to be, but – He's, he walks right in as their most explosive weapon for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these handcuffs that are available. There's a couple of them that would be nice handcuffs if you're needing a handcuff running back position. There are, and there's some good quarterbacks left still as well. I'm looking now. I'm looking to take a backup. I see Carson Wentz is still out here, Baker Mayfield. I'm actually going to drop down quite a ways though and I'm going to take a guy that I'm high on this year that I think is going to take a big step forward and that is Daniel Jones solid I was kind of looking at Joe Burrow there for you yeah well (laughs) they released Andy Dalton and cleared the way for him to start week one but Daniel Jones has has at least proven it in the NFL already that he can he can play yeah, I'll be up here in uh, like two picks. Oh, it's my turn. Um, I'm looking at one of two guys as a Marvin Jones as a possibility, and also Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, him going to New Orleans, that could be a pretty potent one-two punch at receiver. So I'm going to go ahead and take Emmanuel Sanders with that pick. Yeah, I like that pick here. And can I just say, I've seen a bunch of rookies coming off the board. A lot of receivers, especially. We've seen Henry Ruggs come off the board. Um, Toby, you took Denzel Mims, who I like. Brandon Ayuk just came off the board right before Jason picked. Yeah. Uh, there are not a lot of reasons to trust 
rookie receivers in a yeah. redraft league, you just you don't get a lot of production, especially once you get past those first couple of guys that you know, walk into a starting role right away. So like, there's a lot of hype around some of these guys, but there are way too many proven veterans still on the board for me to even consider taking somebody like Brandon Ayuk right now. For sure. I think historically, like you said, I mean, they break out sometime by year three, but year one typically is not the year that it happens. Um, no. And especially when they're further down on the depth chart. That's the big thing. If I'm looking for a rookie receiver, yeah. I want one who's the clear number one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take my backup quarterback. Um, I kind of like of what's left, all the speed that was added at receiver. I kind of like Carson Wentz here. As a backup quarterback, I do too. He's he seems like he'll he'll have a lot more weaponry than he's had in years past with the additions they've made. And who knows? Maybe he'll catch some passes from Jalen Hurts. You never know. Maybe. So I was going to take a backup tight end here, but a receiver that I really like is still on the board. Several actually. I like Christian Kirk, who's still there. Um, you know, obviously the addition of. Hopkins is going to hurt him a bit, but he's still going to get his targets. But the guy that I really like here is Deontay Johnson. He really came on towards the end of the year with Pittsburgh last year. Roethlisberger's back. I think at 125, he is a solid pick. Definitely solid pick. Mm-hmm. You didn't want Mr. Hamstring, Will Fuller? No, I, I don't think I, I trust him to stay healthy at this point. Although he did just come off the board. He did just come off the board. Um, for me here, I think I'm going back up tight end with Mike Gusecki. I like his potential this year. Um, I liked what he did at the end of the year. I think he's coming into his third year now. So we're going to go with him. I could have went back up quarterback, but for me, Kyler Murray is a good enough quarterback. I'm not playing another quarterback unless it's his bye week. So I will then stream the option, whereas my tight end, Hayden Hurst, is a little more unproven. So, uh, you know, in the event he's not working out, he's droppable, can grab another quarterback, then it's not a big deal. But Yeah, and Gusecki was the guy that I was looking at there as well when I took Deontay Johnson. That's who I was going to take, but I figured I would go ahead and pull the trigger on Johnson and then stream another tight end if I need to later. Yeah, I know I've only got two picks left, so obviously I'm going defense and then kicker to fill out my roster. I'm looking at these defenses, and I don't know. With all that's been done over the weekend with the draft, it's really – it's hard to gauge exactly what they're going to look like when they're on the field at this point. But based off of last year and what they've added in certain teams, I – I'll probably end up going the Browns at this point. Wow. I'm picking before you are, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm actually looking at defense here as well. And there are a few that are higher ranked for me, um, or at least in terms of ADP. But I'm going to go with the New Orleans defense here. So I passed on the Rams, on Kansas City, Minnesota. I think for me at this point, Minnesota is more of a name for defense than a true Uh, consideration I don't think they're as good as people think they are after losing multiple defensive linemen and their starting corners I would agree 
the other team I considered here actually was Tampa Bay. They were surprisingly good last year, but it didn't show up because of Jameis Winston's interceptions. Yeah. They were well, they were last in the NFL and um, I also field position. I also worry about the weaponry within that division. Twice twice a year, you're playing that. That's a Atlanta. New Orleans, it's a lot of firepower. It is, but then you get Carolina, (laughs) which suddenly has a lot less. Yeah, they do. They sure do. Now I've got – I'm going to have to fill out my roster with my kicker, and I'm going to go with Mr. Reliable, Mr. Matt Prater. Yeah, and I have to go kicker here as well. and I just as soon not select one, but since – I have to take one here. My grade's going to depend on it. I'm going to take Michael Badgley, the Chargers. Right before him, Chase Claypool. I don't know that I, I'm going to redraft in a dynasty league. I like him, but I don't know how much he's going to do this year. Yeah, I saw that. That was interesting, at least. I'm a little disappointed when I made my last pick. I was going kicker or defense. I went kicker because I had a defense that was rated a little lower with their ADP that I wanted. Um, but I guess maybe someone else here is from Indianapolis and one of the Colts as well. <laughs> they went off the board right after I drafted my kicker. So, I mean, they're, they're not bad options that are left here um, for defenses. I actually think I'm going with Tampa Bay. With what's on the board, my options realistically were between Denver and Tampa Bay. Um, as you pointed out, Tampa Bay had a great defense last year. It was kind of overshadowed by Jameis and his picks. Um, having a better offense this year, I think helps keep the defense off the field a bit more being in a winning position helps a lot. So I think they'll produce a little better. Yeah. One other defense so that we just finished the draft. One of the defense that actually didn't get picked at all is the chargers defense that I like a lot. They've got a lot of playmakers on that, that defense at this point, they came back into the first round and added Kenneth Murray uh, they've got Bosa on the line, obviously. They've got Derwin James. They've got you know, good Melvin. corners. Yeah. Casey so they can, Right. They can get to the quarterback, and they can force turnovers. I think they'll be a better defense than most people are currently projecting them and drafting them. Yeah. I think the big thing with them, I they were one I looked at. I do like their defense. The problem is their offense this year. Um, you know, a bad offense can put the defense out on the field a lot more than they need to be there. If that happens, obviously, you know, they wear down over time, yada, yada, yada. Which is exactly what happened to the Browns last year. Their offense kept getting knocked right off the field and that defense got wore out. It makes it hard for a a talented defense to really show itself when they're exhausted. All right. So we just finished up the draft. Yahoo gives you an instant draft report card. Um, Brian, why don't you start us off there? You were picking in the middle of the draft. Start us off with your score. Yeah, so just a reminder, we did a 10-team league. I picked fifth. I got an 87, which scored out as a B plus. It says that my strengths are at wide receiver and bench, and my weaknesses are at quarterback, tight end, defense, and kicker. So it doesn't like some of those selections. The kicker, I personally don't really care all that much about. I just want the highest rated kicker on the board. I plan on streaming based on uh, matchups. The defense I was happy with, 
tight end, I agree with him. I only took one, and that was Noah Fan. Again, I really wanted a second, but the board didn't fall the way that I was hoping it would. So I'm looking at the projected standings. I'm projected to finish in fourth place with this team with a score of 683. And just for comparison's sake, number one was had a, a score of 710. So not far off. Yeah, so in mine, uh, they were a little lower on me. Yahoo was not a fan of the way I drafted. Um, I got a C. Uh, takes me back to high school. And uh, <laughs> overall grade was a 76. Sounds right. Um, so strengths for me was only my bench. Um, I would disagree clearly, but only my bench weaknesses were tight end defense, flex and wide receiver. Um, I mean, I guess that's, uh, it's their opinion, you know, I don't, I wouldn't agree with it. Obviously I drafted the team, but, um, yeah, my, my projection is to finish sixth, though, even with the C finishing sixth, um, in the league, I don't think. Again, everyone's going to feel that way. One of the good things, though, too, with this, regardless of how this were to pan out, um, I would say 99.9% of the time, you don't have at least four players that you drafted by the end of the year. Um, If you do, you probably weren't paying attention to the waiver wire. So your team's going to obviously change a little bit throughout the year. So even if you did have a bad draft, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, it's not great to start off horrible, but you can always bounce back. There's always those guys that are on championship teams that no one had drafted, you know? Right. Very true. Like the Raheem Mozart that comes out of nowhere. Exactly. On the way to um, News reports will do it. I mean, just guys naturally playing better than other guys. It's, I mean, it's, just, it's bound to happen every year. Um, a few years ago, Tyreek Hill, Philip Lindsay, um, you know, last year, Austin Eckler. It just, it's inevitable every year there's going to be guys that burst on the scene. No yeah. question. Yeah, I, I ended up with a B plus. My score is an 88 um, based off of the report card here. Um, my strengths are at running back. And uh, I have two weaknesses, my quarterback and my defense, which, I mean, I agree Tom Brady is a weakness, but still I was surprised by that considering I actually had two quarterbacks. I have Wentz and Tom Brady, but they called that a weakness, and I took one defense. And so those are my only weaknesses. I would be perfectly content with that score as a B-plus, but obviously – Injuries happen. You make waiver wire moves based off of how things fall. But as a start, an 88 overall grade, I'm, I'd be content with that. Yeah, for sure. So big thing for you guys, are there any specific strategies that you do when you're drafting, since we're talking about redraft, when you're drafting for a redraft league, um, not necessarily. I mean, yeah, there's the order that you draft people in, but you know, if there's a specific tactic that you like to use, something that you're thinking when you're drafting. Know who you're drafting in front of and behind. Yeah, kind of know, that's a big one. No, kind of know if 
if the guy drafting after you is a running back heavy person, that you're probably going to get the receiver coming back because they're going to lean more towards the running back and vice versa. Person in front of you knowing, okay, you know they're going to probably go receiver here, so you can kind of look past a, the, the top receiver possibly on your list. If you're wanting to go receiver, drop down one because you're expecting that guy to go. If not, he's still there. And also, if, if they're in front of you and they're more of a running back heavy person and you're looking receiver, you can count on that top receiver still being there more often than not. Yeah, for me, it depends entirely on where I'm picking from. I mean, obviously, if I'm picking in the top three, I'm going running back. In a redraft that's not like a super flex, I'm going running back every time because I'm getting Zeke, Saquon, or Christian McCaffrey. So I feel really good about that. It's once I get into four and five that I start to question that a little bit, and that's when I'm looking at Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, but then I'm also kind of considering Michael Thomas. Uh, more often than not, I still go running back in the, if I'm picking in the top five. After that, I'm almost certainly going receiver if I'm picking in the back half of the first round and then letting whatever running back doesn't go fall to me there towards the top of the second. So getting a guy like uh, Michael Thomas or um, Devontae Adams there towards the back half of the first and then coming back around with a, a Joe Mixon or a Nick Chubb, somebody that I, I still feel comfortable with as an RB1. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, for me, probably the first four picks are going to be running backs and receivers, um, unless, you know, one of the top two guys in a quarterback or tight end situation falls to the fourth round. You know, if Lamar Jackson's there in the fourth round, I'd probably take him. Um, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey are there. I'd probably take one of them over a, a mid-tier receiver. Um, but for the most part, those guys are going to be off the board in late second, early third round. I'm not agree. spending that high of draft capital on them. Um, totally agree. I think the big thing is finding the, the value, the players that you value. Um, it, I, the redraft league that I do every year, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, you may not be as fortunate, but um, a lot of the people in that league will show up to the draft with the ESPN top 300 cheat sheet um, or the positional cheat sheet. Mm. Um, I, I don't use that. I have my own ideas, but um, I have that sheet out and I'm marking people off so I can see when there's a guy that's, you know, maybe he's RB 15 and say it's someone like a Miles Sanders and I'm not a big fan of him, but I like a guy who's listed on that sheet at RB 30 as a potential later round guy, I know I can wait because none of them are looking at that person. Um, I think like, like you guys both pointed out as well, knowing who you're drafting with, um, but then also paying attention. Um, a lot of people don't pay attention to other people's picks. You know, they draft when they're on the clock, but they don't pay attention when other people are picking. And they, as Jason pointed out, you know, if somebody's got two running backs and you're heading into the third round, chances are they're not taking the third running back. Um, I mean, Unless it's me. <laughs> there's that off chance. That they could. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're drafting with Brian, again, know your personnel, but that's right. more than likely, you know, you, you can see what other people are picking, see where the runs have been and take the best value player there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also have the, the people that you also need to know that are going to do the shock picks. You know, every league seems to have one or two guys that it takes somebody that may have been like a second round guy that'll go first round 
Mm-hmm. And I'm talking like mid to late second round guy. And you just kind of scratch your head and go, really? And that kind of opens up the board for you a little bit to be a little more aggressive. If you were thinking maybe go running back, running back at nine and 10, you may be able to say, you know what? I may be able to still get a running back coming back in the third that I might like. So I can be aggressive and go receiver in round two. If it's there. Yeah, for sure. That's probably the biggest piece of advice is to be flexible. It's great to go in with a strategy and, and have a plan for what you're going to do. But Jason, to your point, if somebody pulls a a shock pick like that in front of you and somebody falls that you weren't expecting, there's no reason not to deviate from your plan to take somebody that you did not expect to be there. Absolutely. And that's coming from experience. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously, like I said, I want running back in the first round. I would, I think most people would agree with that, but if I'm picking at 10 and there are nine running backs that come off the board and I've got my picket receiver, I'm probably t- picking two of the top receivers back to back right there. You know what I mean? And t- that's yeah. to your point, being flexible. Um, it may not have been your game plan from the start, but know when there's a good value, know when it makes sense and just make the smart move. Yeah. So given what we just talked about there, where do you guys like to pick? If you got to pick your, your drafting spot, where do you prefer to be? In this year's draft? Oh boy. I'd, I would probably want to be top four or five. I do. I wouldn't want to be in the second five only because I may want to go receiver and I may miss out if I'm like pick number five or six, I may miss out on that running back coming back. And so that might be kind of an area where I really would struggle on what I would do. I don't really want to struggle on, uh, man, should I have went receiver first? Should I went running back first? I would rather know, okay, I've got these four guys. Which one of these four do I want in this year's yeah. draft? Yeah, sure. for, me, for me, eight, I think, is the hardest spot to pick from this year because, like I said, the first three picks, I'm always going running back. Top five picks, I'm probably going running back. And then I love Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams right after. But at eight, that's when I really start to, to question, should I reach a little bit for a running back? Or do I take a Julio and hope he's got one more great year left in him? Yeah, I, I mean, ideally, I would say I would want to be, if I'm having my choice, I'd want to be top three, um, just so I can get one of the top three running backs. Zeke, Saquon, CMC, one of those guys. Um, the spot I would agree, the spot you don't want to pick is probably eight, nine, ten, which is, it. it's, I hate to be cliche and say that, but picking at the end of the draft, it's not impossible um, to, you know, win a league or have a great draft picking at the end, but it's definitely harder because you miss out on that elite upper echelon of talent that comes off immediately. You do. Yeah. The obvious trade-off is you get two very good players Yeah, that some of the guys that are taking, like if you get CMC, you are, you're not getting another elite player at that caliber at pick, sure. you know, 19 or 20. Yeah, and I, I know from experience, I've picked from all over throughout the years of doing fantasy, and I've been anywhere from first pick to tenth pick. I've, I think I've had just about every number, and it, it always seems to change year to year. And so if you get yeah. stuck, like you think, man, I got the seventh pick or the eighth pick, well, that eighth guy that you take could end up being the guy that jumps to, into the top two or three. 
So you you got to you got to remember you're basing all these off of last year. This year's a totally different year, so that guy that you're picking at eight could be the number one guy. Yeah. So you got to you got to at least have confidence in the guy that you're taking. Yeah, and and to that point, I guess in our in my redraft league with guys in Indianapolis, um, every year we've done a redraft, and it seemed like no one ever repeated as champion. Um, and they said it was impossible to, to win picking from the 10th spot. You just couldn't do it because there wasn't – you miss out on all the elite guys. Um, and not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Um, one, <laughs> was picking 10th last year. I felt like it was pretty deep last year. Um, and, again, there were a lot of people using that ESPN top 300 sheet. And last year I felt like I had a lot of guys on the list that were really good values. Um, and then just throughout the year, different free age or waiver wire pickups. Um, when people drop people out of need, um, ended up winning again. So it, it's not impossible to do. You just have to be a little more strategic, um, take advantage of those value players instead of, you know, swinging for the fences, I guess. Well, I guess I have a question for you then. When you're, when you're in a position like that, do you ever sacrifice a position? And what I mean by that is would you be willing to sacrifice, your, say, your tight end position? to reach on a receiver as opposed to taking that tight end because you know that the receiver depth is going to have a fall off before it gets back to you. Yeah. I think, I mean, I I guess it's how you prioritize your positions, but I think tight end, um, you know, if you've got the ability to get one of the top five guys, you know, those are the guys that you can count on to produce week in and week out. Other than that last year and years past, it's kind of been a, a little bit of a fall off once you get that six or seven range. So if you get to that point, you're probably taking a shot on any of those guys hoping that you hit. So if you can uh, – sorry, my dog was not happy with the advice I was giving there. Um, he thinks he can draft better than Bill Belichick's dog. But I'm not Sounds enough. like you got the Browns at your house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dog pound over here. Um, but, no, I, I think, you know, so if, if you're looking at – as I mentioned earlier when we were picking, if I'm looking at guys like Noah Fant, Mike Gusecki, um, Hayden Hurst, TJ Hawkinson, but there's a receiver like a Robert Woods on the board that has somehow fallen to that point. Um, I, I would be in favor of making the, the pick of the better player and then coming back to that position later. Um, as we said, you know, there's always guys that break out during the season that no one predicted to rush to the waiver wire to pick them up in weeks one and two. So you can always pick up one of those guys if you missed out at a position. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I feel the same way. I like to draft more for value than for need, which is why I usually end up being the guy that takes you know, three running backs to start a draft or you know, something like that where I might take a quarterback or a tight end a lot later than most other people because I'm, I'm loading up on those positions that are, are harder to get good production from. And so if I have you know, three or four running backs that I'm able to grab towards the top of the draft that I really trust, it's a lot easier to ride three strong running backs to a title than it is one running back and a, a pretty good tight end and quarterback. I mean, obviously the exception being if you grab Mahomes and Kelsey, then you're in good shape there. But you know, short of getting guys like that, um, you know, I'm looking to sacrifice those positions a little bit. Uh, I like, at least right now, I like looking at somebody like a Dak Prescott in like the sixth round where he's, He's been falling in a lot of mocks that I've been doing. 
Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with him at that point. Uh, to me, I don't feel comfortable taking guys like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson as high as they're going with the quality of running back and receiver that's still on the board there. And so, I'm, like I said, I'm loading up on those positions and letting tight end and quarterback fall. Yeah, just to throw a little wrench at you a little bit, the last two years, guys that have had Mahomes and Lamar Jackson more often than not have won their league. And so, not saying that happens every time, but at some point you got to be willing to pull the trigger on a guy like a Lamar Jackson and Mahomes. Where would you f- put that line that you have to take that quarterback because he's fallen to what round would you say, okay, this is far enough. I've got to take this guy. For me, I think, like I said earlier, it's probably the fourth round on a guy like that. Um, they're usually going in the second or third round. So if they make it to the fourth and I've already got, you know, either two solid running backs and a wide receiver or two wide receivers and a running back. I'm good with taking them there. Um, but I, I don't, it's, it's always tough. Um, it's always tough. Cause I never want to be the one that overpays for one of those guys. And for instance, right. this year um, in a redraft league, one of the guys that I thought was a great value, I think he was going as QB 18 was Josh Allen. Um, and I waited and picked him towards the end of the draft and he ends up as quarterback six last year. So I think it's finding that value. Um, You know, everyone has a different value for those players. Yeah, for me, the very earliest that I would consider either one of those guys is the back half of the third round. That's where I personally start to question, okay, have they fallen far enough? Because to your point, usually by the second round, sometimes in that first round, you see those guys go in and there's, there's no way that I'm paying that kind of, of, of a premium for a quarterback, no matter how good that quarterback is. I like Toby, to your point, there's, there's depth there. There are guys that are going to outperform. You can get a Josh Allen. You can get a Carson Wentz. You can get you know, several of these guys that are probably going to be a lot better than their ADP. And so, um, you know, by the time you get to the back half of the third round, once I've got two stud running backs or running back and a receiver, um, that's when I would at least consider taking those quarterbacks, but it, it would still hurt to take them at the back half of the third for me. Yeah. Of yeah. of the two, which one do you feel has the higher ceiling in 2020? Lamar. <laughs> Lamar. That was quick. I'll be the first to throw it out there. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, Pat Mahomes, obviously there's no question. He's through the air unquestionably better. Um, but l- what Lamar brings – with being able to run the ball, you know, if he can get you 200 passing yards, a hundred rushing yards and, you know, four total touchdowns, it, it's just tough. Like what he did last year. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that he's going to slow down much barring injury. Yeah. And that's the big concern. Like I know a lot of people were watching him throughout the year last year and going, okay, well, NFL defense, they're going to figure him out. And once they do, they're going to shut him down. And week in and week out, he's putting up 30 fantasy points. Well, that team didn't figure him out. How about the next one? And so, you know, it's obvious that he can play. He's a, a phenomenal talent. But for me, the answer is, is Mahomes out of those two. Um, I think that, unfortunately, Lamar, that his playing style, I mean, he got banged up a little bit last year. He, he takes a lot more hits than most quarterbacks do. And so and I, I, took, I get that Patrick Mahomes was injured last year more than Lamar Jackson was. So it sounds a little hypocritical 
But I think generally speaking, Lamar Jackson takes more punishment. And so I would trust Mahomes to stay healthy um, for more games this year than Lamar Jackson. And with the weapons that they have, I mean, when you compare Tyree Kill, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Damian Williams, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, there's a lot of weapons on that offense. You compare those to, to Baltimore. Mark Ingram is a nice running back, but he's not killing anybody in the receiving game. They added J.K. Dobbins, who obviously I like, but he hasn't proven anything in the NFL yet. Marquise Brown is still kind of raw. He's a, a speedster, but he's hit or miss. So they don't really have – and I mean, they have Mark Andrews, who is – to me at least, he's not as good as Travis Kelsey at this point in his career. So with those factors, I, I prefer Mahomes. Yeah. I, I would actually prefer Mahomes based off of the – there's less risk – because he's not running around as a target to True. get drilled. Um, yeah. And so the risk for injury, I think, is much higher for Lamar. Right. Not that he will get hurt, but the risk is higher. And so based off of the risk, I would probably veer towards going Mahomes over Lamar. And you probably aren't going to go wrong with either one, but it seems like less of a risk. Obviously, so, you said Mahomes got hurt last year. But the risk was Lamar runs. Right. Moving target out there on probably 40% of the plays that they run. And so with that being said, I would, I would probably lean towards Patrick Mahomes. And then also both of their lines are very good offensive lines. So that's not going to play into either one as far as a weak line or anything like that. But with the amount of weaponry, like Brian said, I mean, Mahomes can just kind of video game it, which one he wants to go to this time. Right. So that's why I would lean more towards Mahomes. Um, Plus, he is an overall better passer. And so if they force force Lamar to throw the football, if they just sit back and say, go ahead and throw it all day, I would still go Mahomes. Yeah, I don't and think you'll so, find anybody that will argue that. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and the, the idea of the quarterback is to throw the football. And so those are the reasons why I would lean towards more Mahomes. But at the end of the day, either one, fourth, beginning of fourth round, end of third round, if they're still there, yeah, you, you could roll the dice and take a flyer on them for sure. So speaking of weapons, I don't know if you guys are ready for a hot take, but I'm calling Dak Prescott to finish as QB1 this year. We're talking about the weapons that quarterbacks have. I think Prescott is is primed to finish as the top quarterback in the NFL fantasy-wise this year. He had 4,900 passing yards last year, which is more than Aaron Rodgers has ever had in his career. They add C.D. Lamb. That offense is incredible. Mike McCarthy is there. We saw what he did in Green Bay. I'm, I'm calling it now. Dak Prescott, top quarterback. That's, that's a bold take. I mean, he's yeah. – it's not a super far stretch, but I mean, I think we get closer <laughs> I to the thought season. you were going to say Jared Goff, man. <laughs> yeah, Jared. no, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. So with that, I, I won't argue that. I think he definitely has the potential with the weapons that he's got. Um, adding CeeDee Lamb, who was arguably the best receiver in the draft, you know, people compare him to a DeAndre Hopkins. Um, if, if he turns out to be that, I mean, imagine adding a young DeAndre Hopkins with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, right. It's kind of hard to fathom. And then to that point, I guess, if he finishes number one, does that 
this is out there. Does that boost Blake Jarwin's value at all for you? So it's it, a viable it, tight end it, option. It does for me. I was actually looking at ADPs here, I don't know, three or four weeks ago of tight ends, and he was sitting outside of the top 30 at the time, which is kind of crazy to me. I mean, we talked a little bit about it not too long ago that Jason Witten finished as tight end 12 with Dallas last year. And Jason Witten, I believe, is uh, 77 this year. So <laughs> 84. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So if Jason Witten can finish as a tight end 12 in that offense, Blake Jarwin is obviously younger. He's way more athletic. He's a good pass catcher. Uh, I certainly see him being incorporated into the offense more. As my, my kind of surprise tight end of the year, I'm certainly still leaning on Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to be the guy that takes the biggest leap forward as far as where he finished last year versus where he finishes this year. But as a sleeper, I definitely like Blake Jarwin. Yeah, that's an awful lot of miles to feed. Uh, the shocker that's the concern, yeah. Getting CeeDee Lamb. I mean, obviously, if he's the tight end one for Dallas, he's going to get the targets in that red zone area. He's going he's gonna to get more work without Witten being there as well. ADP 30. Yeah, I could see him being maybe ADP 20. I could see him definitely making a jump like that for sure. Top 10, 15, that, you'd be stretching it. But I, I could definitely yeah. see him making a jump from where they've got him listed right now for sure, about 10 spots. So I would be willing to take him as a flyer. Yeah, I'm t- I'd be willing to take him as my tight end two or in a dynasty league for sure. Uh, in in redraft, I'm certainly not taking him as my tight end one and, and feeling comfortable with that. So there you have it. Blake Jarwin, still not a great option, but keep an eye on him through the first couple weeks. They may be wrong. And that does it for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave, leave a review. Also, follow us on Instagram for more content at Cover3FantasyPodcast. Uh, DM us with any feedback or questions that you have, things that you want to hear us talk about on the show. We'd be more than happy to throw it on there. Also, on Twitter, you can follow Brian at BrianDunnels. Uh, Brian with an I, Dunnels with two N's and two L's. As always, thanks for tuning in. Until next time.